The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So there's only a couple bands in the world when they release a new album that it's kind of in a worldwide event. I would say ACDC is one of them. U2 is one of them. But but for me, it's always about Iron Maiden and Metallica. Whenever there's a new album from either of these bands, and, and they're further and further between, I love how they make such a big deal of it. And it is, like I said, a, a worldwide event. So we're going to do... The review for Metallica's new record, 72 Seasons, on the panel, the esteemed panel, Frankie Kazarian is back. Uh, he's been on many Metallica podcasts with me here on Talk is Jericho. One of the biggest Metallica fans I know. Is this your third, Frankie, with Metallica we've done? Uh, so we did Puppets vs. Lightning. We did Load, Reload. And this would be the third Metallica-specific one. Yeah, we also did GNR stuff and other stuff. But yeah. Lots of stuff. So lots of stuff. And then we got the two uh two masterminds behind and podcasts for all, which is the best and maybe one of the only Metallica podcasts that I can think of, Shane and uh and Jeff. And uh how long have you guys been doing podcasts for all for? Uh since the world shut down, Chris, we used to play at a Metallica tribute band and then uh, everything came to a halt and we said, Let's jump online and uh talk about something we've wanted to start for years and thanks to COVID, here we are. So uh, once again, it's it's a pretty cool a few weeks. Back in the day, you'd go to the record store and, and get the new record. Obviously, it's not like that anymore. So we were on, actually on there. Frankie's got it. <laughs> when when, uh, when we were on tour, we were waiting um, a couple of days ago, our, our drummer Grant and I, waiting for like, you know, it's 11.50, only 10 more minutes, 11.55. It felt like kids at Christmas time for that 12 o'clock to hit and suddenly the album is up. Uh, how was it for you guys, the anticipation for this record? Why don't you start, Jeff? Oh, it was great, man. You know, we went and saw the the movie that they did the Thursday night, so we got to hear it oh, cool. a little early, which was was very cool. Some of the videos were, were spot on, it feels like, with the song. Some of them, obviously, they weren't the full release. It's been crazy to see the response, uh, both I feel good and bad, from this record. Uh, mostly good, obviously. Frankie, what did you think? Like one thing I like about Metallica uh, and what they've done, much like Maiden, is they don't just announce the album's coming out. They announce the entire plan. Uh, and I guess it was back probably in December when we started hearing little rumblings of, of Metallica where they, I think they just dropped the single one morning and suddenly they have this whole plan, tour, everything. How was that for you when, we, when you first heard about that? 
Really cool. Um, yeah, it was November or December. I woke up one morning and checked my email because I'm a fan club member. And all of a sudden, new song, new album, new tour, just completely out of the blue or out of the yellow, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I was like, what? And like, I click on Spotify, which is what I listen to online. And oh my God, a new song, a new record. Oh, tickets are on sale in two days. And they're playing these these no repeat shows, two of them with different opening acts. It was like, it was almost too much to take in at once from a band that's been, you know, uh, relatively quiet and uh, very clandestine to all of a sudden this. And it was, I was an overload and I still am. And I'm loving every second of it, man. It was almost like information overload. Wasn't it Shane? Like Frankie just said, there was so much coming at you all at once to, to digest that it. it was amazing. Absolutely. And there's still a lot coming. It's like every time I, I open up social media or even look on my phone, there's a second version of a video. There's a, there's a, you must burn video. There's a part three of crown of barbed wire. It's, you know, as a fan met clubber, I love all this stuff, but man, it's a lot to digest. I love it, but it's, it's a lot at times. As you guys know, uh, and this is not name dropping, but Lars is a pretty good friend of mine. I remember that day, whatever day it was, I just texted him in the afternoon. I said, anything new, anything new going on? What's up? What are you up to? <laughs> it's like, oh, just a few things. Yeah. So let me t- ask you guys about the movie. Cause once again, I was, I was on tour. I didn't get a chance to see it. So what exactly was it that you guys saw? Uh, was it the videos all strung together? Was it just a black room with the album playing? Yeah. So it was, it was really cool because they had interviews in between every song. So they were explaining essentially what the song meant to them, you know, the whole sound behind it. And then I think maybe half of the videos, correct me if I'm wrong, Shane, but I think like half of them were like full complete videos. And then the other ones were, I don't want to say filler, but just it wasn't the full mastered video that they've released, which I think now looking at it is a really smart idea because you do this movie premiere, you have something that's semi-exclusive to just the people that went and saw it. And then now you're releasing the music videos, the lyric videos, and it's keeping it very relevant as we get past the release here. Half the videos were live. The other half was some animated stuff. Yeah. For me, it was really cool because like they were saying, the guys kind of explained what the song was about lyrically and just like the vibe and everything. And that was really cool because I remember being a kid and buying a magazine, the magazine, like the selling point of the magazine was like Metallic explains all their songs and they'd only had five albums out at the time, but like every song and every album, a little blurb about what it meant. And I was so fascinated by that. And that was that not that information was difficult to come by back then. So now just to have the guys talking about the songs as you're about to hear them, I thought was like a really cool thing to do. Another thing too that I really enjoyed, and we don't have to get into individually because we'll talk about when we talk about the record, was uh, there was so much brouhaha about Luxie Turner when it came up, but then they dropped a new song. It seemed like every three or four weeks up until April 2nd or whatever it was, it felt like it was going to be forever. But by spacing out the tunes, which is kind of a modern way of doing things, I thought that kept the excitement going because every song that they released was really good. And it was like, this is fucking killer, man. You know, the way that they did it, like I said, we can get into it when we get to the song, but, you know, digitally, the way that they put out the TikTok, each guy playing at a time for If Darkness Had a Son. I mean, they, they're really, really great. And I, I would have to think a lot of this has to do with Lars because he's always been that way of creating a buzz and staying ahead of the curve when it comes to marketing the Metallica brand. I thought the four songs they released, I don't know if they could have picked four better songs to release to set the tone of this album. I thought that was brilliant marketing or foresight. Absolutely. 
you know, and, and just with, with the whole buzz that that is creating with obviously, like you said, with with the tour, I think all of us are. I know that they're in Amsterdam right now. I was talking to Rob the other day. They're rehearsing and doing press like ten days before the the tour starts. So we're all kind of waiting with bated breath which new songs they're going to play. And who knows? They might be rehearsing all twelve of them, and we, you never know with them because they they always change the set list. And much like Maiden, like we said, or ACDC, they very much play a, a lot of new material every tour. It's not just going to be one song or two songs. I bet you they'll do five or six songs a night from this new record. And that's cool with me because it's all good stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up playing the whole entire record by by the end of the tour. I just hope Inamorata yeah. doesn't end up being like Fixer where we have to wait a long time to get it. I don't think so, man. This is not Fixer. It's different from that. I think we all know this, mm-hmm. you know, but we'll, we'll get into that. But let's talk about 72 Seasons by Metallica, released uh, April 14th, 2023, produced by Lars and James and Greg Feidelman, who's been with them since the Death Magnetic record when Ruben produced it and Greg engineered it. And then they gave the mantle to, uh, to Greg. Let's talk, first of all, the cover and the color schemes. Striper's pissed. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> it's all yellow and black. The whole theme of the record is yellow and black. Obviously, I'm a huge Striper fan, but at first I was like, oh, you guys, what are you going to do? I mean, this the whole yellow and black theme just really catches your eye right out of the gate. Oh, definitely. What do you guys think of the cover? It pops. It's like hardwire. When that came out, everyone's like, wow, white cover, death magnetic, white cover. They've gotten away from the death, the skulls, the cemetery, the the classic heavy metal. It pops. And I think, let's be honest, a black Sharpie autographed on there. It's going to look amazing. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things like when magnetic came out, just a white album with a coffin. Everyone thought that was strange. The black album. Mm-hmm. was nothing a black and the logo in the snake and everyone was like where's the art right this in that same vein it's bright not only is it yellow it's bright yellow that explains the theme of light and chasing light and finding you know light and darkness it all it all is kind of intertwined and it's a very metallica move to make this album bright yellow yeah i, I was reading i'm sure you guys have all heard that james actually wanted to call the record lux eterna which means eternal light because this record is like frankie just said the themes of darkness and light are, are intertwined throughout basically the whole record too. It's almost like a some sort of concept record or something along those lines. Pretty cool of James to say, you know what, this is what I wanted, but yeah. I got outvoted and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't uh, happen in the earlier years of Metallica. That, that's, that's for sure. I also like the fact, I mean, the worse James's life is, the better his material and lyrics are. <laughs> it seems like that's how it works, yeah. Isn't that right? I mean, seriously. So true. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Seventy-two Seasons is uh, such a cool album title. Uh, I think Metallica has done a great job their entire career, with the exception of Load and Reload, of creating album titles that that have intrigue to them. 72 seasons means the uh, first 18 years of somebody's life. 
which uh, James says that's when you basically become the human being that we all are today. Well, you know, that, that's a very Hetfield, you know, hardwired to self-destruct, death magnetic. These album titles are as cool to me as Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning are. I definitely feel like this record has, uh, you don't even know James got outvoted on the name of the record. I feel like this is really his record. I mean, it's them as a whole, but it feels like this is James's record. It's it's very riff oriented. The lyrics are obviously very deep. You know, he's exposing himself uh, in a way he hasn't done since probably the load era. I mean, I guess maybe some would say St. Anger, but because of the controversy with that album, I think it kind of gets overlooked. That's a great point. I put, I don't know what song it is, but one of my notes, I just said, James is pouring his heart out and every stroke, every down pick, every lyric, like there's one song in particular, but you're right. That's a great point. This whole album feels like very, very James Hetfield, more so than maybe any other Metallic album. Well, I mean, think about what happened. There's, there's a three prong crown here between his divorce from his wife of gosh, 30 years or whatever it's been. There's his, another stint in rehab, which happened right before the pandemic. And then of course there's the pandemic where I think all of us kind of lost our minds in certain ways. So it goes very, very deep here. And, and, you know, we know this Metallica is, and always has been James and Lars's band. Yes. One without the other just doesn't work. You know, and James's like emotion and Lars's kind of overall creative genius to where to put things. They, they've done a great job on, on this record. So let's talk about the title track, 72 Seasons. It was the last song released before the record came out. And I still can't get. I have a stupid banjo guitar over here made out of a lunchbox. And I was fucking around with it yesterday and, and trying to like bing, bing, bing. Bing, 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 bing. It's such an easy riff to play, but it is an earworm of all earworms. Let's discuss this. Jeff, why don't you go, why don't you start talking about, about 72 seasons, the title track? Well, for me, out of the four, this was probably my favorite out of the four singles that were released. Yeah. It's got a really good hardwired-esque sound, but still kind of bridging the gap between the two records because- I feel like overall this this record is it's got a little bit of hardwired sprinkled into it, but there's a lot more of like black album and load vibes. But with this song, you get a little bit more of the thrashy vibe. It's got a very almost death magnetic sounding chorus. So, you know, I think it's a great song to open the record. Luxie Turner could have been close, but I, I think they made the right decision with with opening it with 72. What do you think, Shane? Well, it might come as a shocker, but uh, my favorite song on the record. Scale of 1 to 10, I give it a 9. When I refer to my notes here, if I may, everyone's expecting the classic Metallica, you know, long intro tape track one that we all know. It doesn't need a tape. They made an intro that kind of mimics that type of buildup that it would be anyway. Rob's bass is the suspense while the riff builds. Jeff touched on the hardwired type riff. It's a smooth flowing progression throughout the song. It just keeps climbing, and it's just so well done. It's that kind of complete package that we've known through the years. I mean, the only thing it doesn't have is a clean tone. Other than that, it's got everything that classic Metallica has ever been to us. What do you think, Frankie? First thing that jumped out is a very, very hit the lights vibe for me. Very new wave of British heavy metal vibe showing through. I love that wrath of man, that, that hook. That's just, <laughs> that's going to be so cool to sing live and to see people singing live. 
James's down picking in particular is on par as always, but especially in that middle breakdown, it's just ferocious and awesome. And I thought this again, uh, I agree with you guys. Great album opener. Did you notice Frankie? Um, and, and, and as we know, it's going to be the show opener too. Cause once again, Metallica and Maiden almost since their inception, always open the tour with the opening song on, the, on their new record. And that's a Fozzie tradition as well, taken from Metallica and Iron Maiden. So just imagine when they'll have the tape yep. and then the bomb will go off. Be awesome. A couple things. First of all, did you notice that Rob plays with the pick with the intro? Yes. Yep. It's got the motorhead vibe. I feel like very that, much so. Yep. I feel like that intro is like the most motorhead slash Judas Priest sounding intro they've ever written. <laughs> I asked Rob, are you gonna play with a pick live? He said he hadn't decided yet. He said he could do it both ways and he might use both, but he's never used a pick really in Metallica, uh, which is cool to me because of course Jason did and Cliff did not. So it's okay to use a pick in Metallica, hardcore fans. Yeah. It's been established uh, <laughs> as a precedent. Another thing, too, about 70 Seasons, obviously, Frankie said, Wrath of Man. Kirk Hammett is Kirk Hammett. Love him or hate him. It's an integral part of the Metallica sound. I think one of the stars of the record is Lars. I think Lars has, if people are still going to bag on Lars, then they can just go cough. I mean, the guy, he knows exactly who he is as a drummer. He's the Ringo star of metal mm -hmm. in that he plays what's right for the song. And there is nobody in the world that could play drums for Metallica other than Lars because of the way he thinks. Right. Just at the beginning with the it's it's a standard thrash beat, but then that halftime beat, it's giving me goosebumps. That's Metallica. There doesn't have to be any more Dyer's Eve or one fight fire with fire. You don't need that. I'm okay with Lars just going the magic is lies in, in those grooves that he creates for this band that James is able to, you know, obviously orchestrate. So I got to go, I got to go with Jeff here. This might be my favorite song on the record or Shane, which one of you guys said that, yep. but just a great way to kick off the record. It's awesome. Awesome. And same, I will, I will defend Lars until there's no breath in my body. I mean, I know it's in vogue for a, a certain portion of the hard rock and metal audience to poke fun out of them which I think is so it's so baseless and stupid. Yeah. I'll defend Metallica, obviously, but I'll defend Lars to the edge of the earth, man. People just like to hate on greatness. That's all. Yeah, of course. Of course. 100%. But just look back and think of the drumming on the Black Album, guys. How simple and straightforward 4-4 four, four, Phil Rudd that actually was. Yeah. Now, you're not flashy playing freight ends, like Chris said, fight, fire, battery, all that. But think of how heavy and how solid this record is. Just a straight 4-4, four, four, keeping the time, back in the pocket, Heavy as hell. Yeah. Keeping it stock. <laughs> <laughs> he went through a phase where he wasn't even using toms, and I asked him about that, and I said, why do you just use your snare as all the fills? And he said, because of Clive Burr from Iron Maiden. And if you listen to the Clive Burr That's Maiden right. records, right. Clive didn't do a lot of tom work. It was all like, like it was all snare fills. So, yes, Phil Rudd and Charlie Watts and a Ringo Starr, a Clive Burr, and a Lars Ulrich. They are great drummers for what they need to play, not what they can play. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, the second song, which is always one of my favorites in the Metallica history. This is Shadows Follow. Uh, what did you think coming out of the gate on that, Frankie? Uh, the vocal phrasing is really cool in this one. A very load, reload vibes. Yeah. Which, and uh, again, you know, that's not a bad thing. Because I know, I know there's load and reload detractors, but load and reload produce some gems 
that I think people are just kind of rediscovering. I love the breakdown, the the, the cut and run, cut and run that Hetfield. That's just so cool, so cool. <laughs> Some cool guitar harmonies, very very uh, thin Lizzie, which is always good to hear. Uh, yeah, I dig it. Not my favorite song on the record, but one that I have already listened to and gone down a rabbit hole on, and will obsess over down the line at some point, like I do every other Metallica song. I, I agree with you, Frank. I think it's very riftastic, and I think it's a great second song. Uh, I love the lyric, uh, wherever I run, my shadows follow, whatever the paraphrasing that a bit. But I think Kirk's solos on this record, if you don't like Kirk, you're going to hate them. If you do like Kirk, you're going to love them. And I, I like this one. It's one of my favorite uh, solos that he plays on the record. What do you think, Shane? Well, I'm going to be the odd man out here. I've caught a lot of flack the last six days on our own in Podcast for All. This is my least favorite song on the record. It's just, okay. how is this track two? Oh, As nice. a drummer myself, Chris, when it gets into all those cymbal chokes in between the verses of the line, it, it cuts up the whole ride. It cuts the flow up. It's like this is like cutting room floor material that got pieced together. There's some great chunky riffs in there. Love the Kirk solos, but it's just one of those sounds... It sounds like the Judas Kiss where there's all these parts pieced together oh. and there's these repetitive fills. And every time Lars is going for those extended cymbal chokes, it cuts the flow for me. And I was shocked that this is track two. Gotcha. All right. Well, there's a different opinion of it. Would you agree with that, Jeff, or do you disagree? <laughs> no, this is, you know, and Shane and I, we're usually pretty close on a lot of our opinions, but this is one that we've been going, Not this buddy. <laughs> we've been going back and forth with this one. And, I think it's a great song. I I think the intro has a very good, you know, shortest straw meets uh, holier than thou kind of intro there. Like Frankie said, you know, very kind of load reload. I, f- I feel like this song is the the most like load meets black album type of song almost on the record, which is funny because load and reload are two of my favorite records. Black album is definitely one of my least favorite records, surprisingly, but I love the blend that they do on this on this record with that sound i think it's a great track too as well i think it's going to really get people pumped up live you know the breakdown everything it's it's a good song shane you'll come around once you hear it live i think <laughs> just remember at the end james says i say no still my shadows follow shane also says no on to track three <laughs> <laughs> one thing that you guys are touching on that i agree with i think i texted you this shane is that this this is a real cross to me of load and hardwired for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a, a tiny, tiny 10% bit of kill them all in here in certain parts, you know, like Frankie mentioned with the new wave of British heavy metal, but I think it's a combo of load and hardwired in the best possible way on the track three, like Shane said. So why don't you start it off screaming suicide, Shane? Great song. First of all, great title too. screaming suicide. Like, geez, man. Love it. <laughs> One thing I want to say right from the beginning in the music video, do you have you guys realized that there's no cable or cord going to the microphone? Mm-mm, didn't notice that. That's a real nerdy, uh, a nerdy find. Right, that's what I said. It is. And Jeff and I talked about it a couple weeks. Someone messaged us on our Instagram and said, "Keep in mind that mic is unplugged, as those who are struggling feel like they don't have a voice." Oh, oh you think? I don't know. I, that's digging pretty deep, man. <laughs> right. As Lars would say, that's next level, but that's pretty cool if that's the concept they were going for. Very profound. Hell yeah. <laughs> Damn. This is a great song. Maybe took a couple days to grow me, watched the single came out, but amazing riff to kick it off. Lyrically, this is some very deep 
and uh, personal stuff, especially the throwing down a rope, lifeline of hope. Mm-hmm. That part sticks with me every time I hear that. I, I think the same. It took me a while. This is probably my least favorite of the four when it, you know, in retrospect. But once I listened to it a bunch, it really was a grower. And that makes me happy because most great albums, if you like every song right away, it doesn't have the staying power. It's usually the songs that take a few more listens to get into that I usually like the best. Screaming Suicide is one of them. I just love that. Listen well, you better listen well. It's that riff that Lars is like it's just weird timing and playing. And it's I think it's going to be another great one live for sure. As most of these songs are, to be honest with you. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, no, for me, I'm with you. This was my least favorite hands down when we as far as the four singles go. Yeah. As the record came out and I listened to the record start to finish, it was definitely one of those songs that started growing on me. The main riff when it kicks in and it just everything cuts out and it's just Hepfield playing that riff. I mean, let's face it, this might be the greatest guitar tone they've ever had on any record. It's absolutely monstrous. Yeah. I love the verse. I, I think it's it's got a great hook. It's got, you know, the melody line is great, but for me, the chorus is where it really, because I mean, the chorus is the focal point of a song and it felt like the chorus was a little lackluster in this song. So that's why it took a little bit longer. But again, after hearing it, you know, the record start to finish, it definitely started growing on me. Frankie? Uh, That's interesting because there's a song later that I didn't like at first, but it's grown on me a lot now. This one I dug from from the first time they released it. Having loved Lux Eterna, when this came out, it was different. And I was like, okay, this is cool because I don't know where they're going on this record because this is different, but I, but I liked it. The main riff, vintage Metallica. And again, screaming suicide. How brutal is that? That's like, you know, <laughs> all nightmare long, but it's worse than bad. Yeah. The intro is cool. And James going back to this being his album, he sounds so good. His vocals sound amazing on this record. Uh, the best he sounded, I think of the Rob era between death magnetic, hardwired and this, his, his voice sounds so healthy. And yeah, I dug it. I dug it when it came out and, uh, you know, feel pretty much the same. You know, I, I like the vintage Metallica riff and um, enjoy it. Yeah, and I, I'll add to that. I think it's the best sounding record they've had in a long time as well. Not just James, but I think the, the Lars's snare sounds great. And Rob's bass tone yeah. is the best Metallica bass tone maybe ever. I mean, Jason's tone on, on the Black Album was amazing. But to me, Metallica's always suffered from having three great bassists with terrible sounding bass on the record yeah yeah not anymore man trujillo's tone his playing on this you could always hear him it's everywhere on this record it's like thank goodness they finally found a tone for him that's worthy of his talents good point very good point it's only taken 42 years chris to sound like a four piece it's crazy right i know (laughs) i mean it still pisses me off they haven't been able to remix now i don't even care about justice i'm talking about the cliff records just remix them so i can hear every little philly disc because whenever i watch there's a guy um on instagram frankie i'll send it to you his name is 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 either jason fig or jay fig he plays all metallica riffs on bass and you can see all the crazy shit that cliff does and rob does and it's like you can never hear it but now, so like, like, yeah. Anyways, I'll, I'll send it to you on the side because Frank is a fellow, fellow bass player. Cool. Yeah, please do. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, next tune is Sleepwalk My Life Away. Love this one. Speaking of bass, it starts with almost like this infectious grooves kind of funky intro. It's almost like Rob is slapping on it. I love this song. This is this is top three for me on the record. Uh, and it was a pleasant surprise because I was a little bit concerned that this might be one of those records where the four singles they released were the only good songs. I knew that wouldn't be the case. But when, when that one came on, uh, which is, like I said, the fourth track, I was like, okay, we're going to be okay here because this song is killer all across the board for me. What do you think, Shane? But track four is always the ballad. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> and track three is supposed to be the slow, sludgy. Exactly. Sabbath tune, right? Yeah. Where, where's the devil dance at? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where's the thing that should not be? Sleepwalk's great. Uh, the Lars and, and Rob jam. I really hope kind of an extended. I can see them doing an extended version of that. Uh, yeah, good call. In the live setting coming out of some kind of jam or something. Great call. Where you think there'd be fancy Lars fills, you touched on this earlier, it's all those snare punches and, you know, big snare and Tom just flams building up. Very easy song to play, but it just, it it gives it that weight that it just kind of pushes it across the land and great flowing song, but remaining heavy in the pocket. Frankie? Yeah, uh, I, I call this like the Hawaii Five-O intro. <laughs> it's like big surf island, like, you know, that just the bass and the drums, really cool. I love the should I fall, should I fall, I fall down and then wake me. It's just cool. Uh, when I was at the global premiere and that intro kicked in and uh, they talked about that was birthed out of just Rob and Lars jamming. Uh, it was cool, man. For me, not my favorite song in the album, but a really, really badass song. I love the idea with Shane said of maybe doing some kind of a jam at the beginning. It'd be really cool. Yeah. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, this song was, again, you know, we're expecting a ballad and then in comes what I would argue might be the most load reload sounding song on the record oh wow. i think it really has that vibe i think it you know it, it's it's got this little bit of a almost grungy alice in chains vibe you know the the pre-chorus the i fall down part yeah this is a song that right off the bat especially hearing it at the movie theater i was like yep this is this is all right i'm it's fine that there's not a ballad again i'm a huge load and reload fan and i've been waiting to hear kind of that influence back in their music again they touched on it a little bit in hardwired or on hardwired but not to the extent i feel like of this record and this song i feel like they knock it out of the park i love kind of the chord change right when it comes out of the intro right into james's singing down bam 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 like it's just the, the way that the riff goes into those lyrics is very cool and this does kind of have now that i'm going to put this in your head you won't be able to not hear it it does have a little bit of an Enter Sandman vibe to it. Mm. Now that I've said that, just think of the riff is good. So it does, yeah. It does, but but in a good in a good way. Enter Sleepwalk. <laughs> Enter Sleepwalk. <laughs> All right, now we go to You Must Burn. Uh, Shane, why don't you kick that one off? Talk about Sludge, Sabbath. I mean, when this kicked in, it reminded me of Dream No More, but 10 times better than Dream No More. Yeah. You know, he says, you must burn three times the tail end of that, how that you must burn kind of falls off at the end of those verses, just how that's spoken. Love that part. Might be a tad long, might be a couple things in there you could have shaved off, but man, the, just the power and, and the impact that you feel through that whole thing is tremendous. 
that's a common theme of, of, of criticism that I've heard about the record is that it's too long. Uh, the songs are too long and the record's too long, which once again, like Lars said on Hardwired, people have been bitching that there's no new Metallica for six years. And then we put a record, you say it's too long. <laughs> right. <laughs> people are never happy. This one to me. Uh, so to me right now, I always have like a 10 listen rule. I think Frank and I have discussed this before with certain albums. So right now, the first four and the last four, I got a lot. I got them locked in. The middle four, I'm still getting into. Obviously, besides Luxeterna, so there's three out of the four that I'm getting to. You must burn. I didn't like it at first, and I also didn't like Sad but True at first when I first heard it. And I had the same thought both times. This sounds like a trouble song, and I know James because I've talked to him about it. Loves the Chicago little-known doom metal band from the eighties called trouble. One of my all time favorite bands, but they are not showers. They're growers. Love trouble. You got to, yeah, you love, right. So this to me reminds me of, of that Metallica trouble style. And so I got to spend more time with it as of right now. It's probably my least favorite song on the record. A year from now, I'll probably go, dude, you must burn is the best song on the record. You know, and that's okay. It's, it's sometimes, like I said, the, you got to listen to these tunes to really get them. And this is one of them for me, Frankie. It's funny, when I left the global premiere, I said, uh, You Must Burn is my favorite song on the record. Wow, really? <laughs> yep. Cool. That's awesome. Yep. And again, like with every other Metallica song, I will obsess over it and go down a rabbit hole and another song will be my favorite. But very much the sad but true house that Jack built type song. Mm -hmm. Just that Sabbath mid-tempo, sludgy, just heavy, really, really kick-ass song. I love thing that should not be styled just i love that heavy crunchy sound uh and i think the solo is one of kirk's best ones on this record really really dig this song and it's you must burn exclamation point so remember that <laughs> <laughs> lars even mentioned that in the movie the other night yeah yeah, yeah. did he yeah, oh yeah. really it's with authority you must burn yeah jeff and i have been teasing about the exclamation and then the uh, question mark on too far gone and Hey, when Lars talks about, you know, punctuation, it's important. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, did you, you weigh in on this yet? Or? No, I haven't. This is, I'm with Frankie. He pretty much said everything that I could have possibly said. It's my favorite song on the record, which normally wow. the sludgy kind of sad but true type of song is not my favorite. You know, sad but true is definitely one of my least favorite songs by them. But this song, it's the chorus that really gets me on this one. It has almost this, because if you listen to the guitar chord progression, everything that they do there, it almost has this like 80s, like arena rock guitar chord progression that I haven't really ever heard them do before. Also to touch on what Frankie said, probably the best solo on the record by Kirk. It feels like the most authentic, classic Kirk solo. Just the way it builds up, it's long, It's it doesn't feel like there's just unnecessary whammy bar or wah pedal. All the stuff that he is kind of known for that he gets hated on a little bit for, I feel like this solo, it really was the solo that he needed to have for this record. I'll add one thing, Chris. Yeah. I think it's about the 4.24, 30-minute uh, mark. That riff is brutal. And the bass where Rob's just going, boo, boo. Yeah. It slides. It's yeah. the simplest thing, but it adds so much depth to it. I love it. It's the little details on this record. Like, not to go back, but like Sleepwalk My Life Away, that intro where Kirk does the pick scrape with the flanger. It has that kind of like Eddie Van Halen sound before it kicks in. Like, it's those little details that, I, that I've that i noticed 
that really kind of accentuate the record. Absolutely. Well, let's get to the the, the much talked about. It's kill them all. It's hit the lights of Lux Eterna, which of course was a great way to uh, start the buzz for this record. Frankie, what do you think? So, uh, again, going back, Whiplash, Hit the Lights vibes, a very new wave of British heavy metal feel. Short and sweet, full speed or nothing is very much, you know, full speed or nothing. We'll never stop. We'll never quit because we're Metallica. You know, it's almost like 42 years later. Yeah. And it's like still full speed or nothing. We've we've all, as Metallica fans, been along on that journey from we'll never stop, we'll never quit to yeah, it's good. 42 years later, full speed or nothing. And this out al- that sums up this album. Full speed or nothing. Yeah. You know, these. this is a relentless album. These guys, they didn't, you know, we were all expecting that ballad, that slower. We didn't get it. These guys were, like all of us, locked away for two years, ready to write music and get it out there and, and just go balls to the wall. And uh, I'm all about it. Dug this song when it came out. Like it just as much, if not more now. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, it's the Kill Em All song with a little bit of spice, in my opinion. Uh, it's, it's a little bit catchier than a traditional Kill Em All song. This was the song that it was a good blend of that hardwired sound kind of mixed with the direction that they're going and uh, absolutely love the verse. The chorus, you know, it had me a little bit concerned because James sings a little bit higher. I'm like, I don't know how he's going to do it live, but it seems like, you know, obviously they play an E flat. I think it's going to be one of those songs that goes over really well, straightforward to the point. And it's got kind of this uh, interesting solo where Kirk decides to experiment with a little bit of uh Slayer-esque vibes as far as, you know, getting on that whammy bar. But yeah, I like it. It's a great first single to release to show them that, hey, the boys are still here and we know how to throw down. It's funny because uh, there's some controversy with people bagging on Kirk's solo. Kirk's become the new Lars in Metallica. Everyone bags, everyone bags on Kirk. He really has. Yeah. And it's like, like, the, the guy plays this other solo like on YouTube and, and talking about how like this like it's there's no way man like Kirk Hammett plays like Kirk Hammett, mm-hmm. Zach Wild plays like Zach Wild, Angus Young plays like Angus Young. There's no fucking experimenting at this stage of the game. It was called Portals. That was his experimental stage. <laughs> you you want to hear something different? Go listen to his solo thing. Otherwise, this is Metallica. And, you- yeah. and nobody listened to it because you don't want to hear Kirk Hammett experimenting, right? <laughs> what Frankie was saying, full speed or nothing, here's your fucking, you know, hit the lights-esque. We we're out of the gate and we're rocking. I don't want to hear, you know, an Alex Lifeson solo on this. I want to hear the classic Kirk Hammett mm-hmm. and the wah pedal and the whammy and everything that he does. And I think the solo is great and it fits the song. I, I love how it ends and then starts again. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a really cool little, little moment for me as well. Reminded me just like how overkill ends same beat too. Yeah. Dude, that's exactly what it is. It's like, like you mentioned the, the motorhead part at the beginning of 72 seasons. This is the motorhead part in Lexi Turner, total overkill. That's what I was going for. And that's a great point. And also too, the homage to their favorites, and it's funny because if you guys saw the other day that that the guy from Diamondhead, Brian Tatler, is now in Saxon. Yes, I saw that. And I sent that to Lars and I said, 16-year-old Lars with jizz in his pants. He goes, that. He goes, 59-year-old Lars with jizz in his pants. Saxon and Diamondhead combined, what more do you need, right? <laughs> what do you think, Shane? I think the uh, interesting part was we totally had expectation bias of how this record was going to sound. We got this hit the lights, you know, quick hardwired quick beat double bass right in your face 
and three, four months later, you play the rest of the record. It's like Lux stands out as its own. Like it doesn't really explain or describe what this album is really like. Yeah. Out of 10, Jeff might bag me for this, but I give Lux a nine. You know, it's funny, and I agree with you, because they did this with Hardwired, too, where they put out Hardwired to self-destruct, and you think, oh, my gosh. And it's nothing like the rest of the record. We'll maybe spit out the bone, for example. Sure. But if you listen to the remember Death Magnetic first single, that's probably my least favorite song on the record, The, the Day That Never Comes. It's like, ugh, like that. So I really like the fact that they've gone back to, like, here's the first piece of this record. We know what you like. We know what you want. Now, once you have this... We can try some of our more "you must burn" type singles or songs. Sure. Mm. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jeff and I played a show in uh, Minneapolis. First time we played Lux Live. It is a blast to play. So much fun. Nice. That's cool. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy-six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Okay, then we move on to, uh, which in the past, the last two records more specifically, the second side of the album, the last uh, six songs, and I was like, uh-oh. I hope they can keep it going. Crown of Barbed Wire. What do you think, Jeff? To me, this uh, the main riff, it's almost uh, the thing that should not be part two. That down, 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 down. It's such a dirty sounding riff that that's actually what really makes me like the song so much. It's just because it's got this dirty, dark, kind of you know sludgy sound. It's got a very interesting chorus. It's something we haven't heard from James, the way he sings it. Yeah, this song, at first listen, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Uh, This is a song that as I listen to it more and more, it is continuously growing on me. Frankie? Yep, uh, the intro is great. Main riff is killer. I got a lot of King Nothing vibes, which I really, really, really like King Nothing. Yeah, it has a crown. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Yep, crown of barbed wire, king. Yep, it's uh, yeah. you know, the bass and drum intro is great. Going to your point, like the chorus is different, but it's but it works for the song. Mm-hmm. Once again, this is kind of in my middle area where I'm still getting acquainted with it. It's really kind of on the lower end of the scale for me. Uh, but a lot of my friends have said that they like this song a lot. Stands out to them. So once again, I just gotta listen to it more. So this is in the You Must Burn category for me at this point. <laughs> Shane? Surprisingly, this this is in my top three. Jeez, we have different sides of the Metallica spectrum, don't we? <laughs> I love it. Talk about love four it. planets rotating right here. Yeah. <laughs> There's non-normal transitions and the verses kick in on the offbeat. When you're air drumming along with this, you're still getting caught off by surprise when that next part starts. And I like the the surprise aspect of it. it's not a normal Lars feel. Also loved how he says wire. Barbed wire. <laughs> yeah. You're waiting for that wire ah, or wire. <laughs> Who? I just love how that kind of just kind of drags out of him. All right. Let's go to uh, Chasing Light. Once again, there is the, the theme of the album, the darkness and the light in all of us. And, and now James is chasing this. I love uh, lyrically. 
I like this song and it chasing light lean on me. That's what he's saying, right? Lean on me. Yeah. Uh, it's intriguing to me. I, I, I want to know more about what that means. What did they say about the song in the movie? Do you guys recall anything? The thing I, I remember because this stood out to me about the song is it starts off with just a vocal. And the only other song to do that is fuel. fuel. That's it. Oh, wow. Good call. Yeah. James said, it, this is the fuel song. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. But it's like two words versus a whole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 There's no light. Yeah. Rob said it reminded reminded him of a police chase around SFO. So now that he said that, you picture, you know, this kind of car chase going over the bridge, going downtown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Streets of San Francisco. Yeah, he did say that. Maybe Someone up by the windmill. Chased. Yeah, yeah yep. down the interstate. It's like, since he said that, that's all I can think of now when I hear it. Makes me think of Car Chase City by Tenacious D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a, it's a very snappy, up-tempo song, which I like because, once again, Metallica does have a habit, especially on Hardwired, that really fell off in the second half where it just became this mid-tempo dirge mm-hmm. for the longest time. And that doesn't happen on, on 72 seasons. No. The original video for this, absolutely terrible. Is this the one where there's like a QVC code? The Space Invaders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Atari Space Invaders. Yeah. It looked like a QV, yeah, or a QVC code just being scrambled just like moving like half the theater is getting a stroke and i totally understand why <laughs> oh yeah that, that, that one was bad i was it, oh, yeah that was bad. good thing there's been a second release of it way better right yeah <laughs> it was tough in the movie theater because initially this was probably my least favorite song on the record and it's still towards the bottom for me but that video it really made it hard to yeah. concentrate on the song because you're like <laughs> you know there's some good riffs there's there's some decent parts but this video is so just out there and yeah you feel like you're gonna have a seizure or a stroke (laughs) space invaders baby yeah (laughs) yeah and once again without darkness there is no light i mean it's such a stock lyric but it sums up the entire theme of this record if you had to make a trailer like a movie poster 72 seasons without darkness there is no light starring james Hetfield. perfect (laughs) true right love it all right now we go into another highlight for me if darkness had a sun I love, love, love how they introduced this song to the world. Uh, it started with Lars just sitting there for about a minute playing the intro. And then the next day, it's Lars and Rob. And the next day, it's Lars, Rob, and James. And then it's Lars, Rob, and Kirk. And you're like, holy shit, this is fucking killer. At first, it's just like this basic drum pattern. And then it's like, oh, wow. Then when they put it all together with the sauce. If Darkness Had a Sun, Here I Am. You know, and temptation was his father. So, so darkness is the mother, temptation is the father, and James is the son. James, dude, like, go have a drink. You need one. You know. <laughs> also, one last thing I want to say about this is, dude, this is the genius of Lars Ulrich. When it's about to kick in, I bet you ninety nine point nine percent of the drummers in the world would be like, all Lars does is hit the hi hat and then go bam with the snare and the and the crash. It's the simplest, greatest fill, like ever. Like every time I hear that, I'm like, this is fucking genius. Nobody would think of this. Very true. Sometimes less is more, mm-hmm. dude. It's the it's the least. It's beyond less. It's nothing, and yet it's it's everything. So. Definitely one of my favorite songs. I can't wait to hear this live. Lyrics are great. Solo's great. 
Everything is great. Unicorns and rainbows for, for this one for me. And after 20 years since some kind of monster, James finally got to use the temptation stuff. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm talking about, man. Speaking of that, you know, it's 20 years since St. Anger. Are we going to get like the box set with like all the Presudio stuff? Oh, wow. Or is that going to be in 30 years? I was actually just in San Francisco and I drove by the Presidio and I thought of that. I'm like, it's 20 years, man. Can we get the Presidio <laughs> stuff, man? I would like I would like them to play it from start to finish. See, I'm a big St. Anger fan. So I would they haven't played it start to finish since the rehearsal DVD. So right. 20 years, let's get a, a new rehearsal DVD of them playing it. <laughs> I think you should press delete on this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about if Darkness had a son, uh, Shane? Uh, real quick, going back to the SCOM era, we've had Phil Toll on a podcast for all twice. And Phil and Jeff said, hey, for the St. Anger box set, we're going to have pieces of my sweater and post-it notes. <laughs> With lyrics. And Phil trying to get back into the band. Right. So you can either zone it or you can bone it on the post-it note. Bone it. I saw what Darkness had a son. Remarkable. This is the way it was introduced in TikTok. At first, like you said, everyone's kind of scratching their heads, but the groove of it, the heaviness of it. You said, you know, the genius stuff with Lars got to use temptation lyrics. Very personal. This is James pouring out a lot of stuff here. A great single hard to wrap your head around at first with how simple it was. But again, the concept of this whole record, not the most dynamic record, but when you see it as a full package, straightforward. Awesome. Frankie. I love it. Love it. When it came out the beginning, the intro, as you guys have said with the kick drum, I love the chorus. Like you said, Chris, like if darkness had a sun, here I am. It's one of those, again, just brutal, you know, beyond brutal. Mm. The Temptation. Uh, this song, I think, is going to be a staple of their live set going forward. This is just going to be one of those that's that's in there that everybody is on board with, is going to be shouting Temptation. I love that. And it's the way. Yeah, good call. The way that James just growls that. That's just vintage James. I love it. I love that shit, man. So good. Again, I loved it when when they debuted it. Love it as much, if not more now. I watched them play it live on uh, Jimmy Kimmel, yep. too, and it was just fucking cool. Like, it works so well. Like you said, temptation. Like, everyone's going to be, sing it. Yep, yep. Are you alive? Right. <laughs> Can't you just picture 80,000? Did-a-da-da-da-da-da. Hi. Did-a-da-da-da-da-da-da. Hi. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm getting there. I can't wait. I want to go to Amsterdam. Let's go to Amsterdam, guys. Exactly. Boys trip. Let's do it. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, so with this song, it has that eye of the beholder. Oh, yeah, good call. It's got the little groove with the straightforward beat. And again, to touch on what all of you guys have already said, it's the live setting is where I really hear the energy, especially when it goes into that little, you know, hi-hat feel that you were talking about, Chris, and then it kicks in. I can just hear, yeah, you know, right on the beat and the whole entire arena just going insane for this song. It's definitely going to be a crowd favorite. It'll be a live staple probably like how you know broken beaten scarred was for a while there on on the magnetic tour i could see this going over well and hopefully maybe even carrying on past the m72 tour yeah yeah it's always interesting to see which new songs make the cut right <laughs> i think this last tour i think they cyanide might have made it a few times but Drop other off. than that there wasn't a lot of death magnetic tunes included on the on the set list was there yeah, we got more St. Anger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. Which, once again, St. Anger to me is the equivalent of Iron Maiden's X Factor. I love it, and most people hate it, but I don't give a shit what, any, what most people think. I think it's awesome. Right. Amen. I agree. I think Some Kind of Monster, the, that was one of the greatest James Hetfield riffs 
of all time. That album is all riff. Oh, for sure. And it's raw and it's dirty and it's angry. St. Anger. Yep. It's therapy. So Chris, have you ever have you ever bathed in holy water? Be honest. <laughs> God knows I need to. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Frankie, if you bathe in holy water, you must burn! Exclamation point. I must. I probably would. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd probably just disintegrate into a puddle of ooze and just yeah. <laughs> Frankie, are you too far gone? Question mark. Just about. What do you think about too far gone? Cool guitar harmonies again. Very thin Lizzy esque, as they mentioned also in the movie. Real straightforward driving riff. Cool. If uh, seventy two seasons were my children, this would be my middle child because I love it. Just not as much as I love the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Jeff? Yeah, this is definitely at the bottom of my list. I don't. There's no song on the record that I don't like. Right. But yeah, this is definitely towards the bottom. It feels like filler material. Uh, it's got some really great moments. The whole middle of the song, the the harmony and the and the solo, classic Metallica it gives off. You know, the Thin Lizzy, maybe even Iron Maiden vibe, but. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately to me, that's not enough to save the song completely. Uh, it still gets kind of bumped to the back of the bus a little bit. What do you think, Shane? How the hell do you put Too Far Gone at the bottom and Shadows Follow at the top, Jeff? Because Shadows Follow is a much better song. That's oh why. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is an Chris. First 10 seconds in the theater, I'm like, that is totally no remorse right there. Mm. Oh, definitely. The harmonies, the flow, the structure, the I, I am. Yeah, I love that. That's cool. That is cool. That buildup and that delivery, one of my favorites. Has that kind of, we can't really call kill them all groove to it, but that kind of smooth ride that no remorse kind of gives you. Yep. Yeah. It's up there. Jeff's been smoking something. I really dig this song. Once again, to me, the first four, last four, I'm down with the clown with all of them i love that ah ah it's almost like uh it's a very rhythmic yeah it's very rap rap almost rap oriented it shows that that james is so much more than just riff god papa hetfield like he understands the fun part of rock and roll because to me that's very fun and too far gone too far gone somebody said this in one of the reviews it does have a little bit of a volbeat vibe to it which is cool because Volbeat is totally Metallica influence. So when the influence becomes the influence becomes the influence down, down the inception ladder. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. I think not that Metallica gives a shit about radio, nor should they. I think if you released this song to the radio and it was by, you know, Frankie and gutter candy or, or, or one or whatever, I think it'd do very well because it's a very contemporary chorus, um, which is a good thing too. But it is crossed with old and new. It's got this Volbeat-esque modern chorus with this 1982 Metallica vibe. So I really dig this song. It's grown on me a lot over the last couple of days, and it's it's one of my favorites. I don't know if they're going to play it live. I'm sure they will at some point. I don't know if it'll be a staple because I don't know how it can be. There's so many other fucking great songs on this record. Yeah. Just play the whole damn thing. We'll be happier than a pig and shit. Pull, pull a maiden and play the whole new record live. I'd be into it, too. I'd be down. Totally. Totally. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Let's go to Room of Mirrors, which talking of made and reminded me of Dream of Mirrors from the Brave New World record. But um, I love that record. Dude, I'll tell you what, man. Room of Mirrors. What a great tune. Just the, the, his vocal melodies are so cool. It's heavy with some of the vocal delivery. And uh, what do you guys think about Room of Mirrors? For me, this one, oddly enough, when I heard it in uh, at the premiere, enjoyed it, but it was just kind of there. This song has grown on me more than any other song yes. since my 25 listen-throughs of the record. I love the throwback lyric to Broken, Beaten, Scarred, which is cool because he does that a couple times on this album. Yeah. And I'm, I'm all about that. Chorus is awesome. So much self-reflection for James in this song. He pours his heart out. On this whole record, particularly this song, you know, it's all about self-reflection, something we all deal with, you know, especially those of us in the entertainment industry. Uh, so the, the lyrics, the more I listen to, really, really, I really, really connected with those. Uh, and I, James sounds great. Kirk Solo is also really good on this one. Uh, this song, I find myself repeating more and more lately. This is creeping up on number three or two for this whole record for me. What I was going to say before, too, and I agree with you, I love the way it just goes, so I stand here before you yeah. you might judge you might I just, just bury, bury me like that's just like dun, dun. it's like this is the metallica where i just want to punch random people in the face <laughs> i would like to see that too Stand there. i got a couple <laughs> of specific people you can punch in the face <laughs> oh i know <laughs> i know what we're talking about what do you think shane frankie said a great uh, self-reflection in the uh the movie the other night james says this is kind of about coming home getting off the ego riser back in your own home off tour and having your family, your wife and friends really taking a look at you. Honest lyrics, like Frankie says, self-reflection. Again, deeply personal. The thing I noticed, even though there's not really, you know, there's no clean guitar on this record whatsoever. Good call. It's the song that has the most dynamic with it. Great tempo. You know, most of this is a, a laid back pocket sludge record, but this one really gets going. You add that dynamic there, the double bass, last two minutes that kicks in. I mean, he is trucking there. So this yeah. this is kind of one of those songs that takes you on a ride. And uh, after Kirk Solo, it just keeps kind of going up to the next plateau, next plateau, and just kind of has this outro that could be the album outro, in my opinion. But just this ride it takes you on, it's got everything there except the clean channel. Love it. No, I agree with you on that. And it's another one that if they play live, I think it would go over really well. But it could have been the last song on the record, except for the last song on the record. It had to be the last song on the record. Mm-hmm. What do you think of, of Mirrors, Jeff? I love the intro. It gives off a very deep purple rainbow-esque vibe. That yeah, yeah. I really like the way that sounds. This was a song that definitely had to grow on me a little bit. It was in the bottom three of of my least favorite but it has grown on me. I'm given, I've given it multiple chances and it's, yeah, it's got, it's got some great riffs. It's got this almost uh helpless kind of sound when it kicks in, mm. it's powerful. And I think for me, like I said, it's really that intro riff that they have in it and they play it a few times throughout the song that I, I really like the way it sounds. And as I said earlier, it's those little details throughout the record that really make some of these songs for me. All right, let's get to the masterpiece, in my opinion, uh, the longest song Metallica has ever recorded. And as my drummer from Mississippi says, I really dig that Amorta. No, in Amorata. <laughs> that Amorta's a good tune, man. <laughs> in Amorata. I, I could kick this off. Uh, misery loves company, but I love her more. Or, or, misery, or whatever it is, Misery is. is that- she needs me. 
but I need her more. Misery, she loves me, but I love her more. Yeah. That's it. She, I need her more. Dude, James, poor James. Where to even start with this song? You know what I mean? Like, there's so much to get into this. Is it Orion? Is it uh, Fade to Black? Is it Bleeding Me? Is it a combination of all these things? Is it killer lyrics and this breakdown where Rob Trujillo becomes Geezer Butler in the best possible way? The the guitar harmony solo that goes probably, I don't know, 32 bars, which is so Orion-esque to me. The, the end, which is this double-time amazing solo like Fade to Black has. Ah, man, like I just was like, holy shit, the, the fact they can do something like this because it's different from anything they've done in a long time in 2023 just really impressed me. And quite frankly, it blew me away because there is not another Metallica song like this, in my opinion. You're nodding your head, Shane. What do you think? Oh, well said. You, you, you hit it 200% right there. I have a question, though. I, I want to know who she is because this is very personal and very... Uh, very deep in James's mind. There, there, it could I think be a, she she is misery, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It could be a lot of she's, but I think everyone can have kind of a their own relationship with this. You know, when Hetfield said, you know, over the years, I'm not going to tell you what these lyrics are. I'm not going to tell you who this is directed at or what it's about. You you can make your own reference to that. I think a lot of people can form their own sure own story around this, and that's that's huge. What does it mean to you? Those are the greatest lyrics of all time. What do they mean to you? That's all that matters. Absolutely. I I have one gripe about this. <laughs> Lars, put the hi hat down for Rob's killer spotlight moment. That's my gripe too about it. <laughs> We don't need any hi-hat count in the interlude there. Just <laughs> That interlude could be maybe top five material interlude-wise Metallica history, but we've got this sizzle over it. And I'm like, either bring it down in the mix, Matt. Just, just let the guitars have their moment and take a break. That's my only gripe. I'm sure there's some Sabbath song somewhere that has that on it. Oh, sure. Of course. You know, that Lars like, well, I'll put, put this, I'll put the Bill Ward fucking hat on it. It'd be <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. I just wish that bass could just sing by itself. I think it would, it would make it that much more present. Sweeter. Yes. Uh, I was talking to Rob about that and he was mentioning all of these jazz guys, Tony Saunders from the Mahavishnu Orchestra and this, that, and another thing. But just as a little tidbit, I'm sure he'll say it in an interview. At some point, he said that James was the guy who said Rob needs to do a bass solo here, which in a Metallica record to do a bass solo, as we talked about, bass is very rare in Metallica land. So I think it's pretty cool they let Rob have have a moment there and does he deliver? What a, what an awesome musician he is. Couldn't agree more. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Jeff? About Anamorta? 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 Again, and I've said it multiple times, but it's that Load meets Black album sound. You've got a very long song. It's kind of mid-tempo. Even some of the the melody lines has this, you know, load-reload vibe. But then you've got this, you know, after the interlude, they go into the harmony thing. And tell me that doesn't remind you of My Friend of Misery when they do their little... Yeah, oh, totally. Great call. Yeah. Yep. yeah, It's so My Friend of Misery, it's not even funny, but in such a good way. This is that song that... Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh, he's holding up. So, so Shane's holding up a sign that says, Outlaw Torn, Bleeding Me, Fixer, My Friend of Misery, all make up in Amarada. That's, <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's a good call. Yeah. Very creative, whoever made that. I would, put, I would put a fade to black and an Orion in there as well. There's sure. elements of those tunes also. Yeah. Very creative how that story's told. I love it. 
this is the song that, and I'm sure we probably won't get it, but this is a song that, God, I hope they do an S&M 3, because <laughs> Outlaw Torn, on the record, phenomenal song, but in my opinion, it's not even close to what the S&M 1 version is. Yeah. That version is the greatest version of that song ever released, ever played, bottom line, because it that orchestra fills in so much of the empty space that I don't think it necessarily needed, but it definitely benefited from. I think this is another one of those songs that you fill up some of that space there with whatever it may be, but especially an orchestra that would really, really bring the song to the next level. I agree with you. I felt the same about bleeding me as well, which is one of my top 10 Metallica songs is uh, also mm -hmm. Frank, you take it home here on in Amarada. Yeah. You guys have said it all. I love this song. It's a masterpiece. 11 minutes. Metallica just does not give a, I love that. They never have. They never will. <laughs> the chorus is so good. I've got right here a callback. Again, Misery Loves Company. The line from My Friend of Misery, the the solo with the harmonies, the Iron Maiden-esque, Eagles-esque harmonies. Yeah. So, so good. I listened to this and My Friend of Misery back just to make sure. I was, wow, it's, it's strikingly similar, which is a good thing. My Friend of Misery is one of my favorite Metallica songs ever. The Return of the Long Jam Song to Close a Record in the vein of Fixer and Outlaw Torn. You know, this one goes even further, 11 minutes. And the bass breakdown, being a bass player, so, so good. Like you guys mentioned, Geezer Butler also kind of Fleetwood Mac the chain there. Yeah, good call. Kind of how it is. Just Yeah, definitely. And I knew that this song had a bass breakdown in it. So I was just waiting in the theater, sitting there waiting. I was like, oh, there it is. And I was not disappointed. Uh, like you said, Chris, Rob is so good. And I, you know, I, I hope people really start giving him his flowers on this record. Because, you know, his, the guy's, that he had to follow two of the greatest rock metal bass guitarists in the history of rock and metal music. Yeah. And uh, Rob, to get to showcase what he can do, is very cool. This song is, yeah, this may end up being like a top 10 song for me. I love it. And it's a, a great way to close a great album. I'll just say this too. Another thing that I really like about, about it is with all the darkness and the light, the last lyric on the record there were misery, you know, she, but I need her more and all this stuff. The last lyric is misery. She's not why I'm living. She's not what I'm living for. Right. So he's like saying like, I was miserable, but it's not who I am. In a, in a me is means my mistress or a mistress, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like misery was his mistress. And it's like, it's like you said, like that's, he was living for her for that misery and he's not anymore. And it's, so it's like, you know, we close it out with like a, a sign of things to come hope light if it was you know yeah exactly yeah the, with with some light which i bet james if he was listening to this and i'm sure he is would really appreciate the fact that we picked that up yeah <laughs> last couple thoughts on this first of all i'll, I'll say this overall thoughts on the record then i want to hear what you guys' favorite song is or favorite songs i i've told all you guys this separately except for jeff because we haven't been texting but this to me is the best possible record that we could expect from metallica in 2023 Mm -hmm. it's not 1986 anymore they're not 24 year old kids they're almost 60 this is 42 years of fame and stadiums and all the shit they've been through good and bad this album to me by far is the best post newstead metallica record it doesn't come close to the original four nothing will and that's okay but i think in, in like i said in 2023 this is the best we can expect and it's pretty fucking great what do you think frankie agree i you know i don't want kill ride puppets and justice again we had them we're never getting anything better than those we got we have those albums right i want what metallica wants to put out next 
I want what they're feeling. I want what they think is good and what they want to listen to because that's what they've always said. They write music that they want to hear and their fans want to hear it too. But like you said, this is the best possible Metallica album we could have gotten. I love it. I'm so excited. I'm so happy to be a Metallica fan. I got so much to talk about with fellow Metallica fans because I'm sure you guys are the same. I could do this shit all day. Just sit here and talk about the records. <laughs> and I have so many friends, Chris, you included, buddies I've been texting from all over the world, literally. We're a giant community. Yeah. It's like this is like this is like a holiday. It's like it's been Metallica week. And I'm so psyched. I, I could not have asked for a better record. Cannot wait to see him in LA this year, hopefully a couple of times. But um I'm just so thrilled to see what they do with these songs live. What do you think, Jeff? With this record, you know, maybe not personally my favorite post Jason, but I definitely it's it's close to their best post Jason record. To me, this record, after I listened to it start to finish, I don't know how many times, to me, this is the record that I think fans were expecting Sane Anger to be. Good call. Coming out of load, you know, especially with the deep personal lyrics. And then going into St. Anger, they were talking about, you know, the heavy in your face, the aggression. Nobody really quite knew what the record was going to sound like. I feel like this is the record that essentially not should have been St. Anger, but definitely could have been what St. Anger was. And yeah, I'm, I'm all in for this record. You know, there's there's a few songs that I'm not a huge fan of, but I don't dislike. But hey, nine out of the 12, I'd say, are absolute two thumbs up bangers. So. And once again, it's only been out less than a week, so who knows where, where it'll take you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. A good friend of mine who I was almost going to invite on this podcast, Ribo, said this would have been a great follow-up to the Black Album, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of what you're saying with the St. Anger. This is, has all those elements and just enough speed to where we're like, it's not all mid-tempo like I felt a lot of Hardwired was. Right. Shane, what do you think? Agree with all three of you. Uh, well said. Opinions are all in check. We're a little bit left, a little bit right, but this adds up to be a very solid rock record. Let's keep in mind, this almost all came to an end in 2001, and here we are in 23 talking about our favorite band of all time. Very lucky to share it. Very lucky to listen to it. Very lucky to see them on tour. Still in great shape. You know, we're getting into our 60s now. This record's meant to be played live, and I think the next two or three years are going to be pretty exciting. Headfield looks great. Like He's been bigger and smaller, but he's... He just looks like a mountain man now, like in wicked shape. And Lars looks great. Like like you said, they look they look good, man. They still look like Metallica, and that's all you can ask for. James is ready to step into Yellowstone. <laughs> I know. That, and we buy it, too. Hell, yeah. I, Hell, yeah. Well, you know, Chris, I've been on my Peloton, you know, almost every day. So I better be looking good, huh? It's, it's very important to look good on stage, man, because it's not like we're playing fucking sympathy for the fucking devil. You know, when you get up there, you got to do damage incorporate i gotta be in good shape it's very important <laughs> perfect i've just added that to my lars repertoire very good vera is how he says very i guess this is where we're supposed to do our, our kirk and robin person impersonations huh? <laughs> well you shouldn't put your foot under his wheel take it away take it away frankie yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me what to do <laughs> last question favorite song or songs on the record i'll give you my the opener and the closer right now 72 seasons in an Amarada, to me, if an alien came to Earth and wanted to know what Metallica was and I had to play something new, I would choose those two songs. Uh, Jeff? Uh, it's going to be Shadows Follow, You Must Burn, and yeah, In Amarada. Those are my three that I keep going back to. I hope that others you know, make it up there, but for right now, those are the three. 
Shane? 72, too far gone. You can get rid of Shadows and put Lords of Summer in there. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong album. (laughs) That's my closing statement, gentlemen. (laughs) Frankie, take it home, brother. All right. For me, it's still, it's You Must Burn, Inamorata, and If Darkness Out of Sun. Of the new ones that I heard that I hadn't heard previously, it's definitely You Must Burn and Inamorata. Awesome. I love this challenge of You Must Burn because that's probably my least right now. So I got to go now, listen to it <laughs> yeah. three or four times to f- get on. I'm a sucker for those sludgy, just stoner <laughs> metal. I like, I just, I dig it. Like I said, Chris, listen closely to that chorus because it is a little bit, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different than what they've done, I feel like, previously on a lot of records and even a lot different from the rest of this record. It's almost the only quote unquote, like, full-on catchy chorus i feel like challenge challenge accepted man I'll, you don't have to tell me to listen to metallica more <laughs> right on i'll be happy to <laughs> all right guys thank you so much uh for this and, and like i said looking forward to seeing them live and maybe we can all catch a show together at some point and can yell temptation <laughs> let's do it absolutely hell yeah i'm there chris thanks again for having us we appreciate it thanks guys appreciate it yeah thanks this is so much fun thank you guys thank you 